Warner Solicitors provide advice on a range of legal matters to individuals, families and businesses. The leading legal directories regularly recognise Warners as offering some of the best legal advice in the region. This series of podcasts will give you an insight into some of the legal issues that may affect you and your family. I'm Paul Harvey and welcome to the Warners Solicitors series of podcasts. I'm delighted to introduce Anisha Dami today of Warners for this podcast and we will be discussing wills. Now before we embark on the topic, can I ask you Anisha what your role is with Warners? Uh, yes, of course. Um, I'm a solicitor with Warners. Um, I completed my training contract at the firm uh, and now I work in the private client team dealing with wills, lasting powers of attorney and probate. Okay, so let's get on to the topic of wills, Anisha. Why should I make a will? There's a number of reasons for an individual to make a will. Firstly, it's really important that you ensure that your wishes are carried out as you would like. And it also reduces stress for those left behind at what can already be quite a difficult time. In your will, you can choose exactly how your assets and possessions should be dealt with in the event of your death. You can give specific gifts to your family, friends or even charities. If you don't have a will and you pass away without one, something called the intestacy rules apply. And that can mean that your estate passes in a way that isn't very efficient for inheritance tax. And the other complication is that a surviving spouse might only receive part of an estate if there are children as well, which may lead to a forced sale of the family home, which can cause quite a lot of distress, as you could imagine, at, again, a difficult time. And if you're not married to your partner without a will, what happens to your assets? Uh, yes, yeah, so if you're actually not married and cohabiting, for example, then your assets without a will, unless they're in your joint names, they would pass to your family under the intestacy rules and not to your partner. So the only way that you can ensure that your partner would benefit in the event of your death is by including them in your will. And if you have children who are minors, tell me more about appointing guardians. That's a, another very important reason to have wills made. In your will, you can specify who you would want to act as guardian for children who may be minors if, say, you and your spouse or their parent predecease. And so you can specify, you know, in a letter of wishes how you would like them to be brought up in that event and, and detail your wishes that you might not have had the opportunity to do so if you hadn't had a will prepared. And if you're a business owner, when having a will prepared, how opportune is it for tax planning? Yes, yeah, so it's really important, especially if you're a business owner, to meet you know, with a solicitor to be able to take the relevant tax advice regarding business property relief and to structure your will in a way that is beneficial to the business and to you so that there isn't a complete mess when you pass away. And can you tell us a little bit more about if you and your spouse sadly pass away leaving no children or grandchildren what can you choose with regard to the receiving of the estate if you passed away and, and you didn't have a will and you didn't have any children or grandchildren or next of kin then you could actually say that you would want the estate to pass to 
a charity instead. Otherwise, you know, if you do have some distant relatives alive, the state may pass to them. And actually, if you don't have anybody alive, then it would pass to the Crown. So you might prefer to actually say that you would rather it went to charity or a friend or somebody close to you that might not be family. This is now all about what happens if I don't have a will. And if you die without a legally valid will, how does the law view that? What's the next stage? So if you pass away without a legally valid will, then the law determines what happens to your estate and it passes by the rules of intestacy. There is a tool on the government's website to see how your estate would pass in that instance and you can go through it and and see what would actually happen if you passed away without a will in that case. The other thing is that somebody would have to act as an administrator of your estate and whereas in wills you would appoint an executor to deal with the administration of your estate having an administrator act it might become a bit more long and complicated because genealogists might be needed to determine the family tree and locate your beneficiaries because we wouldn't know who they are necessarily have you ever been involved with going that route with genealogists involved We have had to instruct genealogists previously to locate one side of a family. The deceased's family knew only about the maternal side, but they didn't know about the paternal side. So we instructed a firm who produced a family tree that was about four A4 pages long. And it was up on the wall in the office so that we could try to see where the estate was going. And then we had to make contact with all these people. So... As you can see, it becomes a lot more complicated and a much longer process, which can actually increase the costs involved as well. It reminds me of long-lost families, and uh, I can imagine that taking a long time sometimes to discover the route. So if you don't have any surviving relatives and you pass away without a will, tell me more about what happens then. As we touched on, if you don't have any surviving relatives and you pass away without a will, then the estate passes to the Crown. That's why, you know, making a will is quite important because if you had made one, you would have maybe instead left it to charity or to to friends. So you would have specified where your estate would pass rather than just leaving it to the Crown. So here's a question now that um, I suppose is a consideration for people. Can I prepare my own will or use an off-the-shelf ready-made will, which must be a temptation. But tell us about the the pitfalls. If you prepare your own will, there could be complications, um, and it's quite fraught with danger because there is language that you may use in it that could misinterpret your interpretations, and that could accidentally be included. If the will itself isn't executed correctly, it could actually be completely invalid, or it could result in a partial intestacy. So you may have thought that you'd left everything in order but then later on your family would find that actually it hadn't been drafted correctly or you know is invalid which as you can see would cause lots of upset and distress at at that time. So solicitors belong to a regulated profession and we have insurance to cover any possible mistakes that might happen, whereas non-solicitor will writers are unregulated and sometimes unqualified too. So, you know, at Warners, we use our specialist expertise and knowledge, not only of the law, but also the laws of property and trusts and tax to prepare wills that are tailor-made to your specific circumstances because 
no two sets of circumstances are the same. Okay, so I think the message here is DIY, writing your own will, don't do it. I can understand that. Let's talk now about the process of making a will, Anisha. Talk us through that, please. Yes, so in non-COVID times, we would usually meet face-to-face in the office um, to discuss your circumstances with you and your instructions before preparing a draft will for you and, and a letter explaining everything in detail for you to consider. Because of COVID at the moment, we have quite a lot of staff working from home. So we can still take your instructions, but it would be over a video conferencing platforms like Zoom or, or Microsoft Teams if you have access to those. And if you don't, we may be able to still arrange a meeting in the office. Prior to the meeting, we just ask you to complete a short questionnaire just so that you can get thinking about who you might want to appoint as your executors and who your beneficiary should be and if you are appointing guardians, who you'd like to appoint and even, you know, what your funeral wishes are because you can specify those in your will. So, yeah, once we, we've reviewed your will questionnaire and we've discussed your instructions with you, then we can prepare drafts that are suited exactly to your circumstances and then when you've approved them we would meet to sign them and have them witnessed and if you can't uh, attend the office because of covid then we would send your wills to you at home for your signature but with you know signing instructions so that you know exactly how they should be executed so really you know working remotely with clients is perfectly legitimate and very achievable and in fact it saves the client coming in to see you. It can save them time and effort too, can't it? In some ways, I think we found that it is more manageable than we had initially thought it would be. But it's actually because of technology now and um, being able to see clients on Zoom you know, or Teams, it means that it's almost like being face-to-face in the office and it can save them the difficulty of arranging, you know, a lift in or parking. And so it's worked out quite well. And as long as we can assess capacity and make sure that there's no undue influence, it works. And pretty time efficient, I would have thought too. You can almost speed up a process or two, can't you, through the remote working? Yeah, so we can rather than have sometimes, you know, the other the meeting to sign in the office, we can send your wills to you at home so that you can arrange witnessing it whenever, you know, it suits you best. So and you can ask whoever you would like to be the witness as long as they're aged over 18 and they're independent to the will. So not a beneficiary or a spouse of a beneficiary. Okay, and how often should you review your will? What do you recommend? You know, every three to five years is a a good guide because, of course, the law changes and your circumstances might do too. So um, there may be new additions in the family, grandchildren, or you appointed executors while your children were still young, but now you want to appoint them. It would be sensible to keep an eye on it every three to five years and then just make sure that you've received all the up-to-date inheritance tax advice and see if there are any changes that need to be made. Okay, you mentioned appointing an executor there. Can you describe what they do? Executors are uh, actually the people that you would appoint in a will who deal with all the paperwork and the administration of your estate when you pass away. 
they also usually are the trustees of any trust that arise under the wills, such as if money is left to minors whilst they're still underage. Executors are kind of the, you know, the people that are responsible for locating the paperwork to do with assets and liabilities of yours and apply for a grant of probate if it's needed and, you know, submit the inheritance tax return. They can then distribute your estate in accordance with the will. Whilst they don't have to be solicitors um, and they can be anyone aged 18 or over, such as, you know, your spouse or your children or a close friend or relative, if they are struggling with the probate process or they would like some assistance, they can still instruct a law firm to assist with the administration if they would like to. And of course, Warners would be very happy to uh, take up that role. Yes, of course. So um, if you would prefer to have independent executors, then Warners are able to act as professional executors and trustees. And it would be the partners at Warners who would act with perhaps the work being carried out by a, a more junior lawyer like myself to make sure that the costs are not overly high. Thanks. That's very clear. Thank you. I made a will previously, but have recently got married. Do I need to make another will? Yes. So if you marry after making a will, your will is actually automatically revoked and it becomes invalid unless it included a clause that refers to your declared intention to marry the person that you have got married to. So if it has that clause in it, and you know, not too much time has passed, then your will is will still be valid. If it doesn't, then it does get revoked by the marriage. So you should definitely, you know, come in and make new wills and perhaps with your spouse so that you can plan together and have wills made together. So can we talk about separation without divorce and how that can affect the validation of a will? Yes. So if you're separated, but you haven't got divorced, then your will isn't actually affected because it's only divorce that means that the gifts to any ex-spouse or their appointment as the executor become invalid. But if you are only separated and you didn't actually go through the divorce process, then an ex-partner might still benefit on your death. And so in that case, it's really wise to review your will because it won't automatically not include them and you would have to make some changes to your will to redirect your estate to new beneficiaries if you were leaving assets to them. This must be um, a very heavily discussed area. There must be a lot of disputes that go backwards and forwards on this particular topic. Yes, so if you don't make the right sort of provision in your will or it doesn't follow your wishes exactly, then yes, it can become contentious. And so the best thing to do really is to make sure that you've set it out as as you would like. Anisha, say I'm in the process of looking at getting divorced. What is the implication of our relationship as joint tenants our family team would definitely advise you at that time, as would we, that if you are in the process of getting divorced and you pass away before the divorce is finalised, if you own as joint tenants, your property will pass automatically to the surviving spouse. And that's just how joint tenancy assets pass. So, you know, if you never change that, 
then it will just pass over to the surviving owner. So when you start the process, you might wish to sever the joint tenancy so that you own as tenants in common and you own your respective shares of the property so that you can leave them in your respective wills instead of, you know, leaving it to, you know, if your divorce isn't finalised and you pass away, then under the rules of intestacy, if you don't have a will, then that tenants in common share could even pass to the surviving spouse. So you would want your will to say where that share should go. Good advice. Now, do I need to have a new will prepared each time an executor or beneficiary changes address? Um, You'll be pleased to know that the answer is uh, no, you don't have to have a new will prepared every every time because obviously addresses can change quite frequently for um, executors and beneficiaries. So the best thing to do really is just to let us know. um, We can keep a note together with your will and just update our records accordingly Um, because addresses are mainly used in wills for reference purposes. And, you know, if we ever do have to track down a beneficiary, it's useful to have an idea of their previous addresses or their address so we can find them well that's all very valuable advice anisha thank you very much for that now what is the best way for people to contact you if they want further information and advice from you our details are on the warner's website so mine and and my colleagues in the private client team but if you would like to contact me directly my direct dial is 01732 375 368. Anisha Dami of Warner Solicitors, thank you very much indeed for this valuable information on this podcast. Thank you for listening to this Warner Solicitors podcast. To find out more about our expert legal teams and the advice and services they deliver for both individuals and businesses, please go to warners-solicitors.co.uk.